Hi, welcome everyone to another episode of Pop Cult X. Once again, I am Gabriel and co-host Danny is with us as always. Hello, Danny. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, Hello there. <laughs> so uh, this week has been uh, kind of a crazy one for me. Well, uh, I think we'll get into that uh, slightly um, and share what my experiences were. And as always, the hot topics of the week, um, anything that happened in pop culture that was new, new and newsworthy. And um, also you have a, a great interview that, that you were able to conduct. So uh, we're going to include that for our listeners. And uh, so we'll go ahead and get started. So the reason why I'm kind of like out of sorts is I got <laughs> out of sorts. <laughs> I got a te- not even a text, like a notification on my phone, which I didn't even know that they were doing this. And it says um, you were subject or you were. How, how was it phrased? Like you were um, subjected, I guess, to someone who has now tested positive for COVID, and it doesn't mm, tell okay, you yeah. who. Um, and so mm-hmm. immediately I'm like, oh, this is like a scam. Like this sounds weird because why would I get a notification like that? It wasn't a text message. It was just like a pop up. Um, and mm-hmm. so I like I went out of it, and then it took me forever to figure out where it was. And it's like on your phone. Like it's it's yeah. I guess part yeah. of this like tracking and. I knew that they were doing the tracking for, for, um, you know, I guess disease prevention as far as, um, you know, knowing how COVID spreading, things like that. So they were able to pinpoint what day it was and it was a day that I went to the mall. So, you know, maybe I shouldn't have gone to the mall that day, but, <laughs> um, yeah, so I have, you know, I have the vaccine, I'm fully vaccinated. So it says that you don't really have to be overly concerned unless you're uh, experiencing any symptoms. But I went mm-hmm. this morning to go get a test just in case. Um, and that was like a three hour ordeal. Like the line was like oh, wow. ridiculously long, which is kind of sad because I was thinking, well, I'm not feeling, you know, I don't feel sick and I have a vaccine. But like all these other people that are online, like and a lot of them were like older people. Um, so it was just kind of wow. a downer to, and like, they looked somewhat sick. Like they, I could see them like blowing their nose or, you know, having, you know, they were symptomatic. And, uh, so it was just kind of sad. It was just kind of like, I mean, I'm not concerned, you know, I have the vaccine and I feel fine. Um, but just to be safe, um, however, it just kind of brought up that, that whole, you know, emotion of like having to see all these people at the doctor that are, you know, the odds are probably some of them are positive for COVID and we'll have to deal with that. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. And, and on Sunday, I, so Saturday I went, we got kayaks. So I was on the ocean and, and oh, we're kayaking, cool. which is really cool. Nice. Yeah. But yeah. I'm a dumb bitch and didn't put any sunblock on. And <laughs> I, to say that like I'm sunburnt is like such an underestimate. Like it, my skin is literally like r- lobster red, which like you wouldn't think that someone Rock lobster. Yeah. And you wouldn't think that like a, a Hispanic person could get this burnt, like that I would turn brown. Yeah, but no, that's not the case. It I am very much like red, and um, I so I can't haven't been able to sleep because like I can't lay on my back. I can't. I normally like lay on my side, but like my shoulders are burning, and like I can't raise my arms. And so it's been like the last couple of days have been kind of like <laughs> has been a lot. So I mean, and I'm let me say it hasn't been a lot, a lot because it's like oh, you got a sunburn and. 
you had to go get a test. Like it's not really that big of a deal, but <laughs> in comparison to like other people. But for me, it's it it was you know a lot to deal with because you know normally I don't have to deal with that type of stuff. But uh, so yeah, so that's why my my mind has been elsewhere over the last couple of days. Uh, but I have been able to still kind of catch up on hot topics and uh, look at some trending things. One of the things that I thought that was hilarious that is trending or has kind of been a hot topic is um, that whole idea of actors not bathing. Have you seen that? So I I, um, I forget who the first actor was that said – oh, no. It, I know who exactly it was. It was Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis who said that they don't always bathe their child or their children, <laughs> that, that they wait till they get dirty. And so, of course, when it comes to parenting, like everyone and their right. mom had to like chime in and say like, oh, you should be bathing them every day. That's disgusting. Doctors are saying no, like your natural oils – actually help clean you like over being overly clean is kind of somewhat detrimental to your body because we're not supposed mm-hmm. to, we're not mm-hmm. like a kitchen counter. We're not supposed to be like scrubbed clean. Um, so that was like the first actor or actress that came out saying that. And then uh, since then Jake Gyllenhaal came out and said, Oh yeah, like I don't always shallow too. And everyone has been going right. in on him on Twitter. Like, just making mm-hmm. fun of him, I saying like, you know, memes of like, that's why Spider-Man knew you were there because he could smell you. And it, it's kind of hilarious um, <laughs> because it's like, it's something that like, who talks about that? Like who, like now we know like the bathing habits of, you know, certain actors. But um, I, I just thought that it was funny because it's like a trending topic right now, like Jake Gyllenhaal not bathing every day. Uh but it's like it should – I don't know. Like it, it shouldn't be such a big deal. Like I think that people are making it a bigger deal than what it should be. Uh, I tend to take a, a shower every single day because I that's just how I am you know, accustomed to. Like it helps wake me up in the, the day. Sometimes I'll take two mm-hmm. depending on like how crappy I feel. Uh, but I could see their point of like unless you're like really gross, like – you could skip a day, I think, like maybe, you know, especially on the weekend, if you're just at home and you shower one day and like you're just lounging in your house and the next day, it's not like you're out like doing construction work or something. Exactly. So I don't know. I thought it was hilarious, though. Just that, that <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. It's, it's one of those topics that you don't expect um, to have to entertain on Twitter, I guess. It's like bathing. It seems so, you know ingrainedness and something that we do every day it's not like it's 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 something that i don't know i mean i saw that like dwayne johnson weighed in on it that mila Kunis weighed in on it that you know all and it's just like wow we're really having this conversation aren't we yeah it's it's like <laughs> a, I, a very important topic of conversation <laughs> <laughs> i guess it's it is to a degree i mean if if you're not doing it right but but now I guess there is no normal or what is right. You know, this like what's what your body is asking you to do. I mean, what I see, I said, I saw, I think it was, um, oh, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but I read something that said, if, if other people can smell you, no, if you can smell yourself, it's already too late or something like that. Yeah. So if you get a whiff of yourself, it's already too late. Everyone else already knows. Yeah. One of the things that I think that's interesting is that that um, that Americans, I think, particularly 
um, don't maybe don't understand is that clean doesn't necessarily have a smell. So like when your kitchen is clean, it doesn't smell clean. It just you don't smell the bad, right? Bad, dirty has a smell, right? right. Uh, but clean mm-hmm. doesn't have a smell. And so when someone is clean, you're not supposed to smell like you know lavender or something you know like that's that's like what we've <laughs> added to ourselves but like as a human being like mm-hmm, you're clean mm-hmm. you're not supposed to smell funky um but i think that we over we go overboard like that some people take that as like they want almost to be mannequins like they don't want you know this this idea of like perfection of like everything has to be perfect like their lips their eyebrows their smell their everything and it's like shaving plucking smooth like it just it's weird that like we used to be cavemen and then now like we're ba- it's almost like death becomes her like at one point it's like you get a mask and you like put it on your face and your body is like painted like you're you're striving to just be uh, this yeah. like perfect mm-hmm. mannequin mm-hmm. but like it's i don't know it's kind of weird like i don't know i think like you're supposed to sweat you're su- like i don't think anyone should be overly funky but you shouldn't, it shouldn't be like, you're not supposed to be devoid of, you know, oils, I guess. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like it just, yeah, you, you can take it overboard, right? <laughs> no, that's, you're like absolutely you're, you right. Know. I mean, I think people, I mean, I guess it, maybe it all comes down from, from, um, a marketing, I guess, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. like you have to look this way. You have to be seen this way you can't have this or this and and it's just you know so we're all trying to live to that idealistic portrayal of humans which we know is not true and accurate but i don't know yeah each his own i guess (laughs) it's a totally (laughs) weird topic that we're starting on but uh, it's totally untrue (laughs) it's it's within my brand to be a weirdo (laughs) and talk about how people smell but uh, i just think that like you said it's definitely a marketing thing it's like people mark you know companies deciding your kitchen needs to smell a certain way like you need to smell Mm -hmm. a certain way your hair like we all know like now it's like pretty much like everyone knows you're not really supposed to be shampooing your hair every day because it's really bad for your hair um in your skin you're not supposed to be like scrubbing your face every day (laughs) because like it's damaging Mm -hmm. to your skin so i mean there's a certain aspect that like i think that jake gyllenhaal mila kunis and ashen kutcher they're correct like you're not and especially i was reading for like older people that bathing um, actually is detrimental to them because some of the, like, I don't know, the bacteria that you're supposed to have in your bodies helps you like prevent certain things. Um, but oh, okay. yeah. So anyway, I, it, it's like, we've gone <laughs> on, like, I think longer than we probably should have, but, um, well, uh, end with this, we are in a drought, especially here in the Western United States. So, yeah. you know, saving water helps. Yeah, that that was. I saw an interview <laughs> with um, Coco, who is um, Ice T's wife, and that's what she brought up. She was uh-huh. like, "We're in a drought. Like, we're not supposed to be wasting water." And she's like, "I don't shower every day." And she's like, "I'll, you know, I'll like do a little, you know, spot check, like cleaning, which makes sense, like pampering, yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. there, there's like, you know, there's certain things that like, you know, you want to make sure don't smell. But on the other thing that she, Coco and Ice T are kind of now like. Um, a trending topic is that she still breastfeeds her child. And I think the child is like two. So the, t- the child can totally speak 
uh, it's a young girl and, you know, is walking and, um, it's another example of how people are like putting their two cents in on like what other people should be doing with their behavior, like as a parent. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's really interesting that to me that, People care. Like, why do you care if another person is breastfeeding their child? It's not exactly. impacting your life. It's not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going to hurt you <laughs> in any way. But it's like you want to shame them into thinking that their behavior is bad. But like, OK, it works for them that she's not going to grow up to be like a serial killer. Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolutely right. And yeah, I think anything that comes to um maternal aspects i'm not gonna weigh in on yeah right <laughs> i'm like you know they mothers they'll always 99.99 percent of the time know best for what they need for their kids and and for themselves so yeah, yeah. true so getting into entertainment <laughs> news instead of just uh, this <laughs> so let's weird... segue out of that <laughs> <laughs> um did you get a chance to watch suicide squad i want to see this pivot from you yeah Oh, yeah. Great pivot right into Suicide Squad. Yeah. Breastfeeding, Suicide Squad. I don't know. Yes. I. <laughs> it's kind of an oddball well, movie. Like, I'm surprised that, that there wasn't like a breastfeeding scene in it. Or, I mean, I could see how they would have done that. Like, there was a lot of random stuff in that movie, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> there was. There was. And I think James Gunn was the perfect person to direct and write. Oh, he wrote and direct that movie. But it was, if ever I've seen a, a comic book, you know, thinking comic book come to life, Mm -hmm. it was in the suicide squad. It really was. And I went into it only knowing of the character, Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. So I knew just her, who, who her character was. I didn't know any of the other ones. So getting to learn about them and, and explore a little bit of their stories was really fun. It was so really did exciting. Did you see the first Suicide Squad? Yeah, I did. Okay, so so first, let me back up. First, first Suicide Squad, like critics destroyed. Like there wasn't a lot of people mm-hmm. saying it was a good movie. I lo- I actually really like Suicide, the first one, right? I was a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. The second one, I do enjoy. I do agree with you that it is. Uh, you know, pretty much like a comic book come to life, um, especially with yeah. like one of the big um, villains, if you will, being Starro, like the giant starfish alien, which I think they did a really great <laughs> job. Uh, the people that mm-hmm. I saw the movie with were like, what the hell is that? Like that was that was, you know, <laughs> out of love. And I'm like, no, like actually it's very true to like comic book. And, and it's like one of the most like sick villains that there are like when you think about it like that whole mind control Mm -hmm. like this big monster that like the more power it gets it it literally like can get the size of a planet to like put it into perspective and uh right for the you know for those who didn't see the movie it's this like giant starfish alien like creature that controls people by like spitting off like spitting out like little tiny starfish that like jump on the person's face and then controls the person and, and kills them. control of them yeah and for people who don't know this actually predates um aliens so like this is that's like how far into comic book history it goes like that villain oh wow and and it's it's really kind of like a really cool kind of scary um villain that like 
if let's say you know Starro has one of those like little uh, parasites or whatever you want to call them on Superman and can control Superman, who's going to destroy Superman and Starro? Like that that's mm-hmm. like a really formidable foe. Like that's like one of their probably Justice League's biggest villain slash foes that is out there. So I was really impressed the way they did that. I thought it looked really good. Um, it was, it was like well-made. Um, the other thing that I like was, um, the way they introduced characters and some characters came and went and some characters stayed for the whole movie. Uh, I really like that. Yep. I, I think that yeah. that surprised the hell out of me because I, I was pretty shocked. Like I was like, it, it, there was a part of me that was disappointed because I was like, oh, man, like I really wanted to see, you know, this character and what they were going to do with him or her. And well, it, it's they're done. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> yeah. And so but it kind of reminded me of how what they did with Scream where they had like Drew Barrymore come in and mm-hmm. killed her. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, mm-hmm. wow, like this throws the rules of Hollywood out the window, because typically right. when you see a movie like a horror movie or action movie, you're like, they're not going to kill Bruce Willis. Like he's the star or he's not going right. to, you know? And so you had people that, that came in to the movie that were continuing characters like, um, Captain Boomerang or, uh, what's the guy from SNL Pete Davidson or Davidson. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was his character black guard or something yeah. like that? So like, he's kind of like a, a hot actor right now. And so you think, Oh, like it's cool. They're going to introduce him. And, mm-hmm. uh once they're gone, then you're like, all bets are off. Like what's going to happen? Right. Who's, you know, going to survive and who's not, which is real to the suicide squad. Cause that's why it's called suicide squad. So I thought they did a really good job. Uh, I mean, even better than the first one, because there were a couple characters that, that kind of met their untimely death in the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not to the extent of the sequel or, you know, well, it's also a James Gunn trait. He likes to kill off his characters and you never know who's really going to be safe in his movies, which is cool. I like that. Yeah, I I, I would be interested to see if he kills Star-Lord in the next Guardian mm-hmm. of the Galaxy. <laughs> well, well, everyone's talking about Drax being killed off because I guess um, Dave Bautista doesn't want to play in do that role anymore after Guardian Galaxy 3. So we'll oh, see. really? Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. So I want to come back to that again because I want to talk about actors' contracts with Disney and Disney owning Marvel and all of that. Uh, but mm-hmm. I still, there's still some more that about Suicide Subquad. So the other thing was was the action was really good. I thought it was really yes, like it nonstop, was fantastic. And and I loved I love Harley Quinn as a character. I love Margot um, Robbie as an actress, and I thought that yes, they did an mm-hmm. even better job of. Uh, really taking that character to the next level. Uh, and I sort of even fell in love with her a little bit more, her being like this sort of damaged, you know, anti-hero, um, which I know right. you're a big fan of because, mm-hmm. you know, that's you always say that you like that's, the anti-hero. <laughs> so was, was Harley Quinn like the standout character for you in this one? She was. Well, her escape scene from the prison that she was being held in, that was just a masterful piece of art to me. Yeah. Just the way they depicted it, the addition of like the, the cartoon graphics over it. Oh my goodness. It was just like, I could just watch that over and over again. It was just that fantastic to me. Yeah. Um, but her 
character really did take up, take it up to that next level. But Idris Elba's character of Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. Now, that was also another anti-hero, and he was in it for the reasons, you know, keep, trying to keep his daughter safe and out of prison. But I wasn't familiar with that character at all, mm-hmm. and he just stole the show for me. He was like, and I compared this on Twitter. He was like, um, and someone else said it. What was it? That Idris Elba's Bloodsport was the Roy Kent of the Suicide Squad. You know, that surly, gruffy, tired of taking everyone else's crap, so now he's not caring anymore. And it was just perfect. He he stole the show for me. I really enjoyed his yeah. his portrayal of it. The other character I, I, I actually really liked was Ratcatcher 2. I thought she yes. really brought, like, some heart to mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. the, the scene where she, like, has a flashback of her dad – um, talking to her about why he works with rats was mm-hmm. uh, really, you know, an emotional moment um, out of the movie that was like really action packed and like tongue in cheek. And so I, I really appreciated that they did that because it was it was really sweet. It was like a little like a touchy moment. Of it her, really was her looking back at her dad and, and why, you know, they work with rats of all things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was portrayed by uh, Taki Waititi as well. So that was really cool seeing was him it? in there. That was, yeah. oh, I didn't even recognize him. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I didn't at first. When I was looking at it, I was like, wait, that's him. So I thought that was really cool. Huh. The, I, the, they did a great job of, um, I guess, their makeup because I did not recognize him at all. That's funny. <laughs> and um, also Polka Dot Man. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He was funny. <laughs> that was so cool and so unexpected. And like I said, I didn't know any of these characters. So all of them were unexpected to me, but it was just like he has this interdimensional disease. Then he has to, you know, vacate the polka dots twice a day or blows them up inside. It was just so awesome. Yeah. It's like so, so comic booky. You know, it's just like, and it's, that's what's just what made the movie to me so fantastic. Yeah. Well, and, and also that made it very comic book realness was uh, King Shark. Like, yeah. how else in what universe, <laughs> like in what type of movie can we have a, a shark walking around being like one of the main characters? And I thought they did a really great job with having Sylvester Stallone um, do the voice. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like a really cool um, little, you know, treat for, for audiences uh, because obviously there wasn't a huge amount of dialogue, but his voice was super recognizable. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, 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 it was just a great, uh, a great character. I thought that was really funny. It was yeah. like, uh, you know, sort of like the Groot of the movie, like, you know, mm-hmm. one liners that are just kind of hilarious. So uh, the other thing I thought was kind of interesting is that they changed up Harley Quinn a little bit. If you noticed, she didn't have the like face tattoo that said Rodden. Um, I was reading yeah. that. Uh, uh, Gun and Margot uh, thought aesthetically that it wasn't, you know, needed and that she wasn't a fan because it just took extra time during the. And I'm like, oh, she's made it to that star level now that she can be like. <laughs> Where she no, gets to change him. Yeah, I'm not going to be putting a face tattoo on today. So I thought that was kind of cool that she was uh, stretching out uh, or, uh, you know, Use, utilizing her style, flexing. Her, power, her flexing, her power. Yeah, so good for her. Yeah, because <laughs> she's still like great. Yeah, that, like, the character's still like obviously recognizable as Harley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was really cool, and and the um, jacket she was wearing the that was more reminiscent to her comic book character, the black and red. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I I, I loved it. I, I'm probably going to watch it again this week because. 
Um, it's available on HBO Max. And I actually went to the theaters to watch it. Um, I didn't go in an IMAX, which I wanted to. Oh, right on. Uh, but uh, it, it was really – it was just a great movie. It was it was good. I uh, am excited to see maybe they can do more movies like that in the DC universe um, because DC yeah. has been uh, kind of lacking when it comes to you know making really – Really great movies. I love Zack Snyder's Justice League film. I did like Suicide Squad, but there's been like Wonder Woman 2 was kind of a miss for me. Um, I think they could have done better with Harley and Birds of Prey. Um, it was still a great movie. Like it was still good. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. But um, some of their films, like it's like they're still trying to figure out like what formula works for them. Um, and so I'm really excited to see if this is more the route that they'll go. Um, well, that's interesting that you say that because – the the fact that it came from James Gunn, mm-hmm. who who we know um, really nails Guardians of the Galaxy in the Marvel universe. Yeah. So is it more because he brought that aesthetic from Marvel and tried to implement it into it with DC characters that we get this comedic comic book movie, or is it just and could, and that being said, could other directors follow suit with that, or is that just his genius? That we get that. I, I don't th- like I not to take away from to give Gunn credit, um, but I don't think that it's specific to him. I think that it's just that with the DC universe, they tried to go real serious. They tried to mm-hmm. have like a certain depth to their characters, which I think was probably a choice of theirs to go like not necessarily fully opposite of what Marvel does, but kind of deviate from the formula that Marvel set up with their, their universe. Um, and, and to be honest, like, I think they're going that route. Well, is yeah, they're the, with the Batman film. Um, I think that that's going to be again, like a dark, which I I'm really, right. I, don't, I don't know if it's going to work. Um, I'm not super excited to see it just because it's like really not reinventing the formula. It's like another dark Batman movie. And it's like, do we need that? <laughs> like, I thought Christopher Nolan did a really great job with that. But like, so why why do that again? Like, I think it would be kind of cool to then see like a complete 180 and have like almost like a super kids friendly version of Batman, like the TV show. Lego Batman. Yeah. Like, I mean, it it's <laughs> similar to that where it's like kind of taking the serious seriousness away from that character because it's like again we're gonna have like a brooding batman like another movie like i saw the previews in the movie theater of this new batman with the kid from twilight and robert pattinson yeah, yeah. and uh zoe kravitz as catwoman and there was a fight scene where he's fighting and it's like it's so dark you can't even see what's going on which is like a really pet peeve of mine. Like when you see action <laughs> movies where they have so much shadow and darkness that like you can't even see anything. It's just like you're relying on like the sounds to tell you that someone's getting their ass kicked. And it's like, <laughs> how interesting is that? Like that's not really interesting to watch. And yeah. like him, I, I don't know. It just like, it just, it, it seems very much like just a rehashing of what's already been done. Well, how about this then? How about the standalone DC movies? So it's not part of the DCEU. They're not interconnected. Yeah. Have them be the more gritty, darker, you know, more serious toned. Where then if you take the movies that are connected, have the more comic book feel mm-hmm. like 
the Suicide Squad. Yeah. That way, you know, when the characters come all together throughout the various universe, that they have a common theme in, around that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely is hard because they have a really big job, right? Like they have to please so mm-hmm. many people. They have mm-hmm. to please the fans, <laughs> like the regular people that don't know, like comic book lore. So, I mean, it is a really daunting task for them to have to create a movie that pleases everyone and not everyone's going to be happy. Um, but I, I'm kind of hoping that they go more Suicide Squad route. Um, I hope that the third Wonder Woman movie is going to be more similar to the first one. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. The second one was just confusing to me. <laughs> it, I mean, I enjoyed it, but it was kind of confusing in a way. Yeah. It just didn't have enough action for me. Like mm, it just, okay. she didn't kick enough ass. Like it was, um, and that's what I loved about the first one. And I loved about Justice League, Zack Snyder's version. Like the Amazons are badass. Like Wonder Woman's a badass. Like the mm-hmm. second one, it was like, oh, her powers are getting taken away. Uh, you know, she has Cheetah as a villain. Like their fight's like super small. Like the main villain is like, it's all emotional. And and <laughs> like, I don't know. It just like, it, it, it was just not I, – I get what they were trying to do with like like the innate evil of like man and, you know, how we desire like these, you know, our, our secret desires but how that costs us our humanity and we have to sacrifice, right. you know, all of that. I get it but it was just not interesting <laughs> because <laughs> they just did a bad job with it. Um, so we'll see. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about within like comic book – um, universe or movie universe is uh, Scarlett Johansson has, I guess, brought to light is that she's suing Disney. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just read um, on Twitter that like a lot of the creators or uh, you know artists that create these story arcs for Marvel, um, they get paid like five hundred dollars per adaption into the movie. So oh, wow. Disney is like Perfect. literally making like billions of dollars off of their stories and they got paid mm-hmm. five thousand wait would i say five hundred or five thousand i think you said five hundred i think yeah, it was five thousand five thousand yeah. not five hundred that i but i wouldn't and be they surprised get a thank you at the end of the movie yeah yeah like and and um it, it's shocking so like i don't know what are your thoughts about scarlett johansson suing disney well i think when i first saw it i was kind of shocked because it was like okay she's making and that was Disney's retort was that you made $20 million off to star in this movie. Why are you suing us mm-hmm. uh, to paraphrase it? But I think um, because they chose to dual release it in theaters and at home on Disney plus yeah. that they were in breach of contract, which I guess I'm not sure what the contract said. Um, I have really looked into it too, too deeply uh, what the agreement said that if it, if they had to be, you know, in theater only for a certain amount of time, but then the whole pandemic happened and the movie got pushed back. And Mm -hmm. so they just decided to release both that. But I think if they were in breach of contract, they need to be held accountable for it. They're making tons of money. Yeah. Why, why should they be, you know, given a, a pass just because they're Disney and because of everything and no one else is getting a pass. Yeah. I don't know. I'm on, I'm on her side on, I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely team ScarJo because I think that it's shameful that a company that's making so much money off of 
her performance off of the character that she's like helped develop mm-hmm. and, and for them to be like, well, you got paid $20 million. It's literally like, you know, a corporation telling you, well, you make $20 an hour. Right. Really? <laughs> My $20 an hour competes to the CEO making like millions of dollars. No, mm-hmm. it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And without no, doesn't. <laughs> her, you wouldn't have that money making machine. Like, give credit where credit is due. Like she definitely, I'm sure in her contract had, you know, she's getting some money on the back end, how it performs mm-hmm. in the movie in, you know, in the box office. Um, if, if you can't pay her that because of the pandemic, well, just out of loyalty, you should give her right. a check for should honor that. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and it just, that they, that they came out like trying to shame her, like, Oh, America's going to think bad of you because you made $20 million. Look at you, little Hollywood actors trying right. to be selfish. Mm-hmm. No, you, the evil people here are Disney. Trust me. <laughs> they literally <laughs> own <you're> right. <laughs> everything. They, you know, they're, I, I'm like really becoming like not a big fan of Disney. Like, I love obviously the content that they come out with, but, um, it's like, it's almost like a, I'm like a monopoly. And, when, oh, when they they own Mar when they bought out Marvel, I was like really sad because I'm like they're gonna Disneyfy Disneyfy it, and and everything is gonna be the lens through the lens of Disney, and they're gonna have to abide by the rules and regulations of like you know the mouse or whatever, and I don't know it just it may like a company shouldn't own that much like it's just ridiculous like they have their hand in everything <laughs> now and it's like before you know it it's like they're gonna they're just gonna be everything <laughs> yeah exactly right. And, um, so I, I think it's kind of, it's kind of sad that they tried to, uh, to do that to her. I think, um, the star of Cruella, um, is possibly going to be suing them as well because she basically got the same, same deal. Yeah. Same deal. Like it, it went to Disney and, uh, Disney plus, and she's not making money off of the, the box office. And so, yeah, you should have to, uh, you know, pay her out, compensate her for I that. I agree. I yeah. forget her name, um, the star of Cruella. Oh, um, Emma Stone. Emma Stone. So like, I, yeah. I, and like, I almost feel like Disney could have, should have just like kept it quiet, paid her on the DL. And now other stars are like, wait a minute. Like that it, is exactly. true. Like you did yeah. kind of screw us over. And I mean, they didn't purposely screw them over because obviously they didn't know that the pandemic was going to happen. Theater is going to be closed, whatever. But you need to pivot. Like you're a big company, you can afford it. Like mm-hmm. it's bullshit. Like it, it just it's horrible. Like it just it's really sad. And what yeah, they do to the is. comic book creators too, like giving them five thousand dollars really that's sad. Yeah, it's I was I read about that and it was it is sad because I was reading, I think it was I'm not sure which character or which writer, but they got like a special thank you at the end of the credit and a check for like five thousand dollars. Yeah. And they they created this whole backstory for this character that they're making buku bucks off of. Yeah. And here you go. Here's an envelope with your check. Thank you. Yeah. No, I want I want a back end deal where I'm getting profits from the box office. I want a lifetime <laughs> membership to Disneyland. I want front of the line passes. <laughs> I want free turkey legs. I want free churros for Some life. Dual, dual whip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they deserve it. Like to be honest, like let 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 the artists like you know 
reap the the benefits of of their hard work there i mean it takes a lot to create a lasting character that that people are that are that is endearing to an audience you know what i'm saying like it oh, if it was uh-huh. that easy disney could do it for themselves but they're taking and they wouldn't have to buy up everything yeah they're ta- i mean how many char- how many stories have they like redone for America, right? Like Beauty and the Beast or Sleeping Beauty. Like Lion there's King. all these the Lion King, yeah. Like all these tales that they're, you know, borrowing from and redoing. <laughs> well, obviously, like you know that it's it's a hard job to come up with creative ideas and original content. So like pay the yeah. artists. Like you don't have to be evil. You have exactly. the option you, to be good. <laughs> you're gonna make the money either way. Just pay the artists, right? Yeah. And it goes so against like the moral of their movies, which is so hilarious. Like, <laughs> where's Jiminy Cricket when you need him? <laughs> so true, so true. Right? It's funny that you, right that you brought up the ScarJo suing Disney because I was fortunate enough to sit down and have an interview with a um, rising star actress. Her name is Chelsea Edmondson. She was in um, Army of the Dead. She played the bride at the very beginning of the movie who mm-hmm. kicked off the uh, zombie infestation, I guess you can call it. Yeah. But I was able to sit down and, and talk to her about that. And we talked a little bit about the whole Disney um, controversy, I guess you would call it. And I asked her, um, not about that so much, but more about as a producer. She's in a movie that she's starring in coming up mm-hmm. called The Bunker. She's also the producer of it. Nice. So I asked her how she felt about movies going directly to streaming as opposed to theatrical releases. And she gave a very good answer. And you know what? Let's just go ahead and hear the interview right now, and we'll come back and we can talk about it. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Little Talk with Pop Cult X. My name is Daniel. And today on this episode, I'm joined by an actress, a rising star, and her name is Chelsea Edmondson. Uh, Welcome to the show, Chelsea. Hi. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on here. And is whenever I see your name, and I don't know if you get this or not, I always think you're Canadian, even though you're not. Maybe it's just the Edmonton Edmondson portion. Do you ever get anything like that? Well, I think my name is Scandi. Like, it's like Norwegian or something. So I've gotten that before, but never Canadian. <laughs> I, I, know, yeah. I, could see where, I could see where that would be. I could see where you would think that. Yeah, it was strange. I was like, oh, she's Canadian? No, she's a Missouri girl. This yeah, is really cool. I'm, I'm American. <laughs> American. <laughs> American. That's right. So what was it like growing up in Missouri and knowing from a young age that you wanted to be a star? <laughs> um, I don't, I wouldn't put it that way. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think when I was like, actually, maybe I would, when I was like really little, I think I did want to be a star, you know, when I was like five, but I think mm-hmm. like, like when I was like watching movies, I was like, I want to do that. But as I got older, I wasn't really sure, you know, I, I was really interested in acting, but I still wasn't sure if that was something that I could actually pull off doing as a career. So I actually went to college and majored in business, um, first. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was actually, I don't know, sort of practical, which has been a blessing and a curse, I think for an actor. <laughs> to have that kind of mindset, you know? Um, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I'm a dreamer, but not too much, you know? Like, like things have to kind of go a certain way for me to feel good. So, but I right. was about two years into college at a school called William Jewell in Missouri. And I just realized that I was miserable, even though I had the best of friends, 
you know, like I was Mm -hmm. having such a good time, but I was like so desperate to get out and that, and I just knew that if I didn't give it a chance that I would always regret it. So I just came out to LA and had to give it a shot. That's really cool. That is, that is really cool. I mean, I wish I could do that. I, I stayed more of the practical rate uh, with my feet on the ground and to let my dreams get me where I, where I, maybe I needed to go. I don't know, but it's really cool that you were able to follow that and, and be successful. Thank you. It's, um, it's going well. It's been many years of, uh, struggle and ups and downs, but it, things are going really, really well. And it, I just, you know, it sounds cheesy. I feel like actors are always like, I'm so grateful, but I am so grateful. <laughs> I am really grateful. You know, I, right. I wake up every day and I feel super grateful that things are starting to really, um, kind of pick up and take off and, at least it feels that way. And it's just a really amazing feeling for sure. Especially after the years of like, what am I doing? Right. Is, you know, <laughs> cause there's definitely a few of those as well. I hear you. Does it ever feel like, like when things are starting to click, maybe as they are now, you're like, wait, maybe what's going wrong? What, what am I doing? Why is it working out so well? Uh, no, I, I'm one thing that I've developed over doing this that I've gotten a lot better about is just a really positive mindset. Um, and I think I would have gotten probably to a better place quicker if I had developed that faster. Like I had to shed, shed practicality. You, you kind of like, (laughs) you know, I'm still, I'm still not a total just artist dreamer, whatever. I, I wish I could be, but I'm not totally like that, but I've shed a lot of I think the societal constraints that can be put Uh, that you you put on yourself, that pressure you put on yourself to be a quote unquote, a success or to be um, a certain way. And I started getting to just like a lot of hippy dippy spiritual stuff. And I'm just a lot more um, of a positive thinker now. And I, if things are going well, I'm just like, I'm kicking ass. Things are going well. You know, there's no, there's no reason to focus on anything bad or like, be like, Oh, when's the shoe going to drop? I mean, that's just not a good way. I don't, I don't think that's a good way for anyone to live their life. Like probably not. Yeah. If you're doing well, you're, you know, be grateful and just think, Oh man, like I'm so happy that things are going so well. Don't ever think like that anyone that's listening don't stop thinking like that (laughs) (laughs) you heard it here first you guys don't think like that yeah (laughs) yeah completely agree but it's it's hard but yeah i completely agree with that statement so i would be remiss if i didn't ask you about army of the dead um i I don't want to spend too much time on it because i think i've probably talked ad nauseum about it um but i did have a couple questions a so if people out there don't know, Chelsea was the uh, portrayed the notorious character who started off, I guess you would call it famously the the zombie infestation in the army of the dead um, with a, with a, you know, a, a, a quaint marriage celebration. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, what was it like to be in a Zack Snyder movie and how how much background information did you did he give you about the character? Um, being in a Zack Snyder movie feels, I'll answer that first, exciting, okay. ex- mm-hmm. expensive, which is a good feeling. Because <laughs> um, I, I come from the world of indie filmmaking. I've done a lot right. of indie films. <laughs> so, and I've, I mean, I've done bigger budget things, but they were mainly commercials and a few episodes of television. 
So this okay. was my first big budget film and I loved it. Want to do more of it. Love being right. on set with, you know, little iced coffee machines and shit. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, you know, it was nice to not have to totally rough it like I have right. for years. So that was awesome. Um, and people were really nice. Um, I loved my scene partner, Steve. I mean, mm-hmm. I always tell people, Steve and I basically made our own little movie. We shot together for two weeks in a car with Zach, we show up, showed up every day. Some days they got to us, some days they didn't. Oh, and okay. He had a, yeah, he had a very clear vision for what he wanted in that scene with the lighting. So mm-hmm. we would show up in the afternoon, shoot for just a, an hour or two. And then we were wrapped because that lighting had to be consistent. And he really wanted that kind of dusky, like yeah. just after golden hour light. Mm-hmm. Um so you can only shoot that for so long. So that was kind of nice because we got to work on it a lot longer and see some of the other actors doing their thing and passing. And it was just a lot of fun. Um, and sorry, what was the, the other part of your question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how much background info did you get about your character? Oh, um, none at all. Okay. So you were able to make they up don't... your own backstory. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, but you can't, you certainly can. <laughs> If, if that's your process, you know, I just, um, yeah, I, I just think Steve and I, every actor has a different process. I'm not a journaler or a backstory person. It's mm-hmm. kind of whatever's on the page is what I play. Typically okay. I might sometimes sit there and think, Oh, maybe she did this or maybe she did, she did that. But it, it's usually just a few things that I'll think of. Not, there's not a lot of detail that goes into it. It's, gotcha. I think I'm a lot more like an energy actor. Like there's an energy that I'm trying to convey and there's some, you know, within this short amount of time span, there's just a tone that I'm trying to capture. And mm-hmm. I feel like, like for that character specifically, you know, a lot of the actory things, like what do I want? Those fundamentals back. You don't really, <laughs> uh, those don't really like apply to a character. Like, like it's not that deep. <laughs> to be like what you know what's my uh what's my objective in the scene what do i want it's just <laughs> what's my motivation like, like a character like misty to me is just more like a vibe like i wanted it to yeah. be fun loose free sexy funny you know i i always saw her as funny not just i don't know how other girls read for her but i just felt like it was i loved the sides and i thought it was really funny um and there was a little bit different like there was more to it in the original sides that we got Uh Um, which got cut down a little, but it was, yeah, it was just a vibe that I was going for. And, and it was, and I feel like, I feel like we did it. (laughs) Yeah. I think you captured it great. It was, it was wonderful. I was just watching it again last night just to, you know, kind of refresh myself a bit in a while since I'd seen the movie. And yeah, it's just, it sets it up. I think the tone of the movie gets set perfectly just by that opening scene. So kudos to you and Steve for pulling that off. Oh, thanks. It's helpful when you like your co-star and you have good chemistry and we yeah, have just a, a lot of fun together. He has a great sense of humor and we both like to eat. So we just <laughs> ate lunch together. <laughs> yeah, we would just eat lunch together every day and just shoot the shit. And before we knew it, we were friends, you know, and that that just makes that makes everything a lot easier. That's true. And it comes across that way that you guys had a good rapport and the chemistry was there. So, yeah. Um, Has anything changed for you since the movie was released army of the dead i mean have you noticed any shift in the way you get recognized more or especially on like online people come up to you and say anything has anything changed since the movie was released 
Um, some things have changed and some things haven't. I don't, I've never been, I've been recognized in person one time, but I also kind of think the person sort of knew who I was because it was in my own (laughs) hometown. So I've never been like recognized if someone's like, are you that girl that was in the opening of (laughs) our Like that's never happened to me. And I also, I I don't think it ever would be, especially from that movie, because I don't look anything like that in real life. Like I don't even wear makeup usually when I leave the house. And, and I feel like even if I was on a big show, if I was a character like Missy, I just feel like I could get away with going anywhere <laughs> in real life. I'm always like my hair, you know, I have a hat on, I don't have on makeup, but so I don't see that happening anytime soon, but I have had people look me up on Instagram and, you know, and Twitter and want to talk and, you know, and people have been really supportive and cool in the comments on those. I try to keep most things to the comments, not in private messaging. And yeah. so I don't always look at all the, the DM messages, um, but I, I try to talk to people when I can and people have just been really, really nice. And so that's been different, you know, um, like when you make a really small movie, maybe a few people look you up, but a lot of people reached out when this came that's out. Cool. It was, it was like kind of overwhelming for the first couple of weeks, <laughs> how many messages. It was like my birthday kind of every day for a couple of weeks. And so, but it, it was really sweet, you know? <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's it was really super cool. Sweet. Um, so continuing from that success, I saw that you are starring in a new film called The Bunker. Um, what can you tell us about that, or what kind of details can you give us? So The Bunker is a sci-fi horror, and it's oh, directed cool. by Bri- yeah, it's cool. It kind of mixes both, and um, it's directed by Brian Hansen, who's a director I've worked with previously. Um, and some of the same producers as well. And um, it's written by a writer I've worked with. So it's kind of a familiar team and oh, or okay. by two writers I've worked with. Yeah. So it's a very familiar team and it's an alien invasion movie. And, you know, there's basically a team of scientists that are put to task to try to create something. I'm trying to not say too much, create mm-hmm. something <laughs> to fight these aliens with. And so, <laughs> I'm that main scientist, like the kind of, I'm not the head honcho in the movie by any means, but I'm the lead character. And this is my first lead in a feature film being, you know, so yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's, you know, I've been second, like what they would call lead female where you're kind of second to a guy and you're supporting a, a male actor. And that, you know, has been fun in the past, but it's been really, really cool to, to kind of be able to take more leadership and, and be a, a true lead for the first time. That's cool. I, I think of like other alien invasion movies with a female lead. I think like the arrival and annihilation are two of that come to mind. So I'm looking forward to seeing this one. Oh, thank you. I hope you like it. I hope everyone enjoys it. And um, yeah, we're submitting it to festivals right now. So it's, it's already done. It's being submitted and hopefully we get to get it out soon for everybody. Nice. Now you're also a producer on this movie too. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Um, so can I, I ask you, maybe, I don't know if you have a, an opinion on this. There was a whole controversy right now with Scarlett Johansson and her um, involvement with Disney <laughs> as a producer. Oh, you're going to ask me about that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We're keeping like, it light today. You're like, you're like, hey, so I know you're a relatively unact- uh, unknown actor, but do you want to face off against Disney on my <laughs> podcast today? 
pass. Let's just okay. It's pass. no. Uh, I, I, okay, I'll no, just say I my. No, I think I'll 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 tread lightly on it because you know I don't know the ins and outs of like her yeah. deal and and at all. I don't know everything about it, but um, and it's kind of a. It seems like a gray area, you know, with these streamers com coming out and you know they can just be like oh never mind it's not going in theaters it's going to be streaming so mm -hmm. you know i just i don't really know the ins and outs of it to be totally honest with you but i love her as an actress and i oh, loved yeah, me black, too. i loved black widow so much fabulous and it was awesome yes it was awesome she was awesome florence Pugh is awesome mm -hmm. i was just like blown away i had so much fun and I mean, I, I just have to say, I hope she makes a shit ton of money off of it because she <laughs> she she deserves it, you know? She's, no, I agree. She's I epic, agree. so, but I don't, as far as the case goes or who did what or what was wrong, you know, I don't really know enough about it. I guess the question I was going to say was more, not more who was right or wrong. It was going to be more towards, um, as a producer, and how do you feel about movies going straight to streaming as opposed to getting theatrical releases? Mm, okay yeah i guess i didn't let you finish that was rude of me also no, I just, no it's okay i just put a piece of candy in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> sorry i just felt like i needed a chocolate break um so it depends on the budget of the movie you know i okay. mean when you have a a movie like black widow and it's this huge budget i think a lot of actors especially those actors that you know they have points on the back end for theatrical releases they're obviously hoping for a big theatrical run right and i could see where you know they'd be disappointed that it was split with the streaming just because you know you're you're just like all those movies make what a billion dollars when they when they're <laughs> when they're exclusively in a theater so i can right. kind of understand now when you're making a low budget indie movie or an ours you know, when I say low budget, low budget can even be like a million dollars. So let's just mm -hmm. say you made a movie for a million dollars and, you know, you get a really great deal with a streamer that might be a good deal for you, right, you know, right. and because the thing is, is you have to split costs with the theaters. You got to split costs with like PNA, which is the marketing teams that help do your movie. And sometimes you can lose money doing a theatrical run. Oh, and Okay. Yeah, and you can certainly not make very much. Like you can, you can certainly lose your ass. So I feel like <laughs> sometimes for certain movies, it just makes more sense because you're not gonna have to. You can do more grassroots marketing, market the film yourself, and get and try to just get the best deal from a streamer that you can. And you can sell right. the movie yourself. There's independent filmmakers now. Um, like I did a movie with a director named Jim Cummings, and he pretty much, I think makes and sells his like i don't even think they use i could be wrong but i don't think they use like sales or distribution like i think they sell their own movies you know the oh, company okay. that he works gotcha. with mm -hmm. so now i feel like a lot more independent filmmakers are starting to take more control and in a way some of these streamers have given some of that control back to That's filmmakers true. i think so it, it really depends on the project and the budget and just a lot of different details but I certainly don't mind, you know, if a movie goes straight to a streamer that I'm in, because then everybody usually watches it. Like, I feel like all my friends and family and just people that I know are going to watch it because it's cheaper <laughs> to just sit at home. It's, <laughs> it's like easier, you know, it's like yeah, it's cheaper, yeah. it's easier. You don't have to take all the kids and buy all the popcorn, the candy, you know, you can just, you're just like, oh, Chelsea was in that movie. Let's put it on Netflix. So for me, I think that's always fun. <laughs> it seems like more people see it that way but 
I hear you. That's cool. And I agree with you that the, the streaming platforms have given such a, um, a leg up to a lot of independent film creators, or I, don't, I hate saying content creators because it's more than content. But yeah, it's just, it's been such a welcome revelation, I guess. Yeah. For all the filmmakers. So there's just a lot of ways to get your film out there for people to see now. And I think that yeah. that is really cool. I agree. <laughs> what um, or who has been like the most influential artist to you? If you had mm. to pick one or two. Um, uh, I would say Sheryl Crow is a big inspiration oh, nice. for me. Um, maybe the most actually, um, she's from a really small town in Missouri too. That's not far from mine. She's from Kittip, Missouri. And, you know, I, I, I knew people that knew, I never, I've never met her, but I've known people that knew her growing up and my dad knew her dad. So oh, she okay. kind of was like this figure of legend to me growing up, you know, <laughs> she, she's, she's this girl that, um, she was from a really small town. She was incredibly talented, is incredibly talented, uh, music, a musician and a songwriter. And she obviously made it, you know, she's incredible. I love her music so much. And, you know, she's Grammy winning, Grammy winning, you know, multi-platinum selling artist. And mm -hmm. that's just what she's done to be from a small town and, you know, not know anyone. It felt like she knew somebody that just like made it happen for her. It's, right. She was always like a superhero to me. I'm not kidding. Like, I mean, she, probably the same as what little kids think of as Batman or something. I just <laughs> always admire cool. her so much. And so I just think that coming from where I came from and seeing that she moved out to LA and she became this big, big singer, you know, and like listen to all of her music, it just made me feel uh, like this was all a little more attainable that it could be right. done, if that makes sense. No, it does. So it does. I would say that she was deaf. She's it for me, for sure. Uh, did I see somewhere that you you'd also sing and play the guitar? Is that correct? I do. Yeah, it's like guitar is definitely more of a hobby. I'm not a very good guitar player, <laughs> um, but I can I can play a little, and I do like to sing. Yeah, that's cool. One of my favorite genres of movies is like musician biopics. So yeah like, like walk the line or you know anything like in that realm it's just like i can't get enough of them i love them and i love seeing actors transform themselves into the musicians or the characters that they're playing where they where it almost blurs where you can't you start is it the character is that the actor is it the the person they're portraying and that's when i think i i feel they do a great job if with that being said who would be your dream role to play in a movie? Not doesn't have to be a biopic, but any sort of film. What would be like the dream role for you? I really want to play something like what I guess. Wait, let me think about it for just a second. Okay. Um, dream role, dream role. Okay. Well, wait, are we doing dream role or just music roles? Dream roles. Um, it, it could be either. I mean, if you if you have a musician in mind, I mean, hey, why not play Cheryl Crow in her biopic? But <laughs> if yeah, any, I mean, any sort of film, I'll give you a few. I've always wanted to play Shania Twain in a biopic. I think it would just be so oh, much cool. fun. Okay. Th that outfits would be super cool. Cheryl Crow, I just like 
um, I would totally do that, but I don't know if, if I'm, I don't, I just, yeah, I just don't know. I, she's, she's like too much of a hero. Like I'm so afraid that I would like screw it up. Right. I mean, if they asked me, I wouldn't say no, but I would be like terrified. And it's not that Shania Twain's not awesome, but I just think she would be so much fun to play. Um, uh-huh. But I think in a more abstract way not like a specific person i would love to play something like what bradley cooper played in a star is born like just a really complicated woman that's a singer songwriter because i feel like you see that a lot in stories with men yeah just like the man being like really complicated and and i would love to play a female version of a role um like that Oh, that cool. would be that would be the dream i guess yeah i just want to play a complicated singer songwriter chick that you know is trying to figure things out i think that would be a great role yeah i think so that'd be really cool um well we talked about before off air let's say that about legends in film industry and i mentioned that my most recent pick was going to be mike myers who yeah, is a legend. I think that's so cool. You're doing that series. And yeah, Mike Myers is a total legend. And you mentioned you were a big fan of his, and especially for one movie series. Um, what drew you to to the Austin Power series, or what can you say that you really enjoy about that? <laughs> I just grew up watching those movies with one of my best <laughs> friends, and me and my friend Lindsay, um, we knew like I'm not kidding, all the words. To the movies right. <laughs> we would just watch them over and over and i just think he's so i mean he's so amazing because you forget that he's playing all these different characters like you forget that he's awesome right. and dr evil even right. though i've seen it a million times you know and <laughs> and fat bastard and the other characters just you honestly just forget because he's so good and he's so funny um and yeah i just grew up with i loved the women in his movies too like i think heather graham's probably my favorite Mm-hmm. of the of the three um in the spy who shagged me and i love all of her outfits and i just think she's perfect in, in those tones of movies like i just think she's like spot on for those um but yeah i just he's brilliant and i love the music i remember watching it and wanting to dress like i was in the 60s i just loved everything about them <laughs> i i still do i just revisited one the other day on the elliptical machine oh nice yeah, it's it's classic movies. I mean, I as like you, I grew up watching those movies, and it was just fascinating to see him portray all the different characters. Yeah, he's insane. He's so good. I mean, it's nuts. He's Canadian, right? Isn't Mike Myers Canadian? I believe so. Um, yes, I do think he is Canadian. Yeah, I just am looking it up, and Demi Moore was a producer on the first Austin Powers. I'm like. That's so cool. Why wasn't oh, wow. she in it? I mean, right. I say that and I'm like, not every actor should be in a movie that they produce, but I would have liked <laughs> to have seen Demi Moore in those movies. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah. See her playing like a nice little villain there or something like that. Yeah, she would have been an epic villain and the, maybe they'll do another one and Demi Moore could yeah. be the villain. I always hoped for more additional Austin Powers movies, although he always said there was going to be a trilogy. I always hoped he, there would be more. I know, me too. I mean, now's the time too because it's been a while. Like they yeah. finished strong with Goldmember. It was great. Beyonce killed it. It was so cute. But I'm like, all right, it's been a while. Let's do another one. Bring it back. <laughs> Bring it back, right? Well, speaking of bringing it back, and this is actually one of the questions I had for you was, 
if there was a, a lot of movies have been making resurgences or comebacks and whether it be remakes, reboots or continuations, what kind of movie or what movie would you say in your eyes that need that needs to happen to other than Austin Powers? Like what is there a franchise that you said, "Oh, they should make another movie of that or a reboot or something like that?" Yeah, absolutely. They need to make a new Gremlins movie yesterday. I mean, yes. that needs to happen ASAP. And I thought they were. I remember I was like, man, if I could be in any new like reboot or part of a franchise, it would be Gremlins 3. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to be in it so bad. And I looked that it up would on be IMDb so cool. before. Well, it's been on IMDb before. I've seen it. I've looked it up and seen Gremlins 3. So it's clearly been optioned or thought of or... So, you know, I don't know if it's some kind of thing that's getting bounced around between studios or getting bumped, mm-hmm. but I'm, I've seen it before and I've heard talk of there being one. So I'm like, well, when's it going to happen? Because <laughs> I really want to see that. <laughs> that. That would be so fun. I always think of like um, the movie, The Three Amigos, and I want to like get like a follow up movie with that with like the original Three Amigos children, like taking up their dad or maybe even daughter's just to make it a little different, taking up their dad's um, costumes and making a new movie or something like that. Like they could do three up and coming comedians. Yeah. That would be cool. I think that'd be really fun. That would be fun. Trying to think. I mean, I definitely think we need a reboot of Titanic. I mean, right. (laughs) Titanic, Titanic to Titanic too. Yes. We got to, got to, I don't think that that was all resolved. You know, I just don't think that there was enough finality to it. And I just think we need to bring it back. Are we talking, are we leaving off from when Rose gets off the dock and what happens to her life from then? Or are we talking more about what, like little cutscenes within the the sinking of the ship? Yeah. Or maybe it's, or maybe it's sci-fi and you know, it's like, like that thing on the history channel where they drain the ocean oh yeah 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 and then there's like i don't know ghosts or something or they find out it was and then we blend it with ghostbusters and the ghostbusters have to come (laughs) (laughs) or hey we blend it it's a kickoff like an alien invasion the aliens it wasn't an iceberg that sank it was like a they struck an alien ship and they you know, they'd have like a 75 year gestational period for them to hatch their egglings or something like that. And now they're all on board and, you know, taking over people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Some, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, the, and they're sort of like in the passengers. And so the aliens just let all the passengers, like they just pop them all back up out of the water. Oh, yeah. There you go. And so they're like sort of regular people, but they're regular people from, like a hundred years ago, and then they're also kind of mixed with an alien. Ah, I see? think we're really <laughs> on to something here. <laughs> right on. It's someone's it's gonna be listening to podcast and they're gonna steal our idea, and then you know, we're gonna be suing just like Scarlet. We're gonna be like, they fucked <laughs> us. We had a really good idea, and you know what? We're not gonna take stand for this shit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we want co-creative credit on that yeah, plus we all royalties spit, yeah. we just spitballed that and killed it <laughs> oh goodness well one last question i have for you and i see you you have a little dog <laughs> named merle yes he's asleep look like right by my feet right now nice now i was thinking is merle a a regional name for missouri because the only merle i've ever heard named was a character from the walking dead so i don't know oh, if wow. that's 
if that's where you pulled it from or if that's just a regional name for Missouri? It is where I pulled it from. And you are the only person that's ever known that. Most people. Oh, right on. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. Most people think that he's named after Merle Haggard. Um, you know, the country singer and Oh yeah, I see I, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Okay. So most people think that, which would be cool, and I wish I was that cool, but I was really into The Walking Dead when I got him and I loved that character, um, yeah. Merle Dixon. And I and I also just had a feeling that he was gonna be kind of a mischievous dog because they say that about dachshunds, you know. Um <laughs> yeah, and I had a couple growing up. So I was like, he's probably gonna be a little shit. Like he's gonna be like a bad dog, but he's gonna be so <laughs> awesome anyway. And that's exactly how he is. Um so it it just really suits him that Merle's Dixon was kind of a bad guy character and my my dog's kind of a bad dog. <laughs> He's so sweet, though. He's just very mischievous, and he, he gets himself into a lot of trouble. Oh, right on. That is so cool. But yeah. You're the only person that's ever said that. Most people are like, oh, like Merle Haggard, and I just kind of am like, yeah, because I don't want to, you know, <laughs> go down this rabbit hole. But yeah, he's, he's named after Michael Rooker's character on Walking Dead. Yes, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, you, you did. You absolutely nailed it. I, I can't believe you got that. Hey. Well, I, mean, I guess if we're if we like The Walking Dead, which I do, um, especially the first like five, six seasons where where I really enjoyed it. Um, that's where I guess my mind goes. So, hey. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched it. I gave up on it. I did. I feel bad. I, I gave up on it. But I'm just I am that kind of a person. Like if I don't like a season of a show, it's dead to me. Like I don't stick with it. I'm a, <laughs> Same I'm here. a fair <laughs> I am a fair weather fan, you know, and <laughs> I'm like, it's like if I was ever, you know, a series regular on a show and someone was like, yeah, I liked it. And then I stopped watching. I'd be like, I, under I understand because I'm like that, too. If, if there's a few episodes that are just not jiving with me, I'll end up forgetting <laughs> about it and watching something else because it's just maddening how much content we have now and how much we have available to us to watch, you know, it's, mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of puts a lot of pressure on writers, I would think, and showrunners to just kill it every season because people have so many options yeah that's true you got to keep that fan base happy yeah for sure i mean i think walking <laughs> dead's done at least one thing right they they haven't killed daryl dixon so they at least they were like if we do that people are going to just stop watching the show and so <laughs> i think i think they were smart to keep such a beloved character around yeah, I guess I like it's like you, I stopped watching it. So I'm not sure where his character arc took him after he got like brainwashed or something like that. But but you're right. That's he was uh, probably one of their top characters and people did just the smart love thing. him. Yeah. yeah, he's really cool. Thank you so much again, Chelsea, for taking some time to talk with us here at Pop Cult X. We really appreciate it throughout your hectic schedule. We really appreciate you. You are so welcome. You know, it's just, it's really busy around here between all the mopping I'm going to do today and walking my dog. It's just, I'm just so busy. <laughs> but, um, but no, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And um, I hope we get to talk again soon. Nice. A really great interview. Um, really great insight. I think it's cool to see, you know, small, small town girl, like, you know, make it in Hollywood industry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it gives hopes to, to all of us that are from small towns or you know small cities or whatever um to kind of 
have big dreams and to go after them. I think that's really cool. Um, I like that you mentioned Sheryl Crow because that's totally our generation. Like Sheryl Crow was right. definitely mm-hmm. one of the people that that um, I loved listening to. I think she's really talented, and um, it's a cool um, fun fact that I guess they're from both from Missouri. Missouri, yeah. She's American, as she said. <laughs> Not Canadian is what I always think of, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's um, it's really funny that you said that because I think that that um Canadians do have like little tells where you're like, You're from Canada, aren't you? You don't seem like an average American. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> There's something about you that's saying Canadian to me, but uh but yeah, that it, it's I um, I think it's really interesting to hear her take on on all of that um, from from an actor's point of view. And that the other thing that I I really appreciate and kind of respect is that she's going into like the producing route um, because mm-hmm. I think that that's something that I've always respected is that like DIY um, sort of uh, approach to things. Like if you want to create something, just do it. Like you don't you right. don't wait for someone to hand you a check or hand you, um, you know, an invitation to create a movie or, uh, create photographs or create art. Like if you want to do it, go out and do it yourself, especially with the technology that exists now, like you can do that. You can make a movie and put it out there for audiences that will like really eat it up. And, and it could be your way in to, you know, I guess, big Hollywood, if that's the route that you want to go. Like there are a lot of people that are very anti big budgets that want to keep it very small budget and, you know, be able to maintain the control because I mean, things that come along with, like we're talking about with Disney is that, you know, you sign that contract with Disney and they own you and they control every (laughs) aspect of it. So, you know, maybe that contract with Disney isn't the, the dream that you want to come true, you know? So kudos to her. Yeah. So maybe it's not a dream come true. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Like I, I think Selena Gomez just um, had had a uh, interview where she said that like she definitely like gave up her life or like when she signed a contract with Disney, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was like really sad. Like you always hear these like really sad stories from like these young girls that have these deals with Disney and um, it just kind of harkens back to like Judy Garland and – the way she was controlled and like, it's just like the same story over and over again of like these young girls that just want to be actresses, like want to entertain. And then these big corporations like own them. And it's like, it's really sad that like that's continues to happen. And then they end up in like, you know, sometimes they, they end up in really bad situations because they're having to deal with the emotional ramifications of like being controlled their whole childhood and like young adulthood and, um, you know, I think it's like very similar to what Britney Spears is going through right now. Right. That's very true. Very true. Um, you talked about Canadians and <laughs> one of the, th- <laughs> not sure why that's funny. But <laughs> it just sounds funny. <laughs> Getting back to Canadians. You said Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I wanted to highlight in our continuing series of the Big L was a legend for me well, is a Canadian, yeah. and that would be Mike Myers. So Mike Myers, um, fantastic actor, uh, person, creator. 
he's come up with so many iconic characters throughout his career that and they've held that have held such a special place to me. Um, one being like Wayne's Wayne Algar, Wayne, what's his last name from Wayne's World? <laughs> um, I know it's Garth Algar and Wayne something. I have no um, idea. Wayne from Wayne's World. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's classic Saturday Night Live from the 90s mm-hmm. to the big screen. And it's just right in our generational wheelhouse that we, at least I did, I followed that along mm-hmm. all the time from everything I could get my hands on in both movies and hoping for a third movie if we ever get around to it. Um, to Austin Powers trilogy, mm-hmm. where he played so many of the different characters in there, to... Anytime I see him on the screen and it, even if he's like decked out and you can't initially recognize him, like in Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. where he was in there as one of the colonels, I was like, wait a minute, that's Mike Myers. And it just, you know, it's just seeing him on the screen. It just makes, makes me just ah, light up because I'm such a fan of his and he's such a iconic actor that just, I don't know. I know he's gotten his just due, Mm -hmm. but he really needs to be seen as he's just fabulous and fantastic and always will be. Yeah, I agree. I really do appreciate him. Some of the films that I like of kids that are like standouts for me as far as his performances is um, 54. Did you see that where he plays Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Steven Rubel, I think, is the the, like impresario, um, which was like very off, like off brand for him, like to play like an over the top, like out gay man that's like coke, coked out, like overly (laughs) sexualized and like saying like Uh very uh, adult things to other characters. Um, I think it was like a real shock, but like it really showed like his um, his abilities to kind of step out of those comedic boundaries that, that he was in um the other movie that i think is probably like one of my all-time like favorite movies it's i think a cult classic is so i married an axe murderer yes i love that, that movie awesome. i think Pete, he's so good paper. <laughs> it's so good i it's it's a classic like it, i think if we're talking about you know um under what would the word be like um like underappreciated like that's one of those movies mm-hmm. it's like one of the like best comedies to come out of that time um and oh, it's yeah. just like such a it's just like a good easily good movie that just like you can watch and it's like it's like a a, a good book that's just like easy like there's not a lot of thought to it <laughs> but like it doesn't have to have like a really it's not like silence of the lambs like it just it's funny it's just it's good I, yeah i remember when that movie first came out and i saw it and i didn't really get into it too much because oh. you know it's oh it was 93 so it's like you know i don't know how old it is younger than i am now but i recently rewatched it and it is such a fabulous movie yeah and all the little nuances in there and and all the character he does portray in that movie as well and it's just it is a great comedy one of my favorite scenes about that, and I think is kind of exemplifies how like maybe you have to be an adult to appreciate it, is when he has his his new girlfriend or wife, um, hence so I married an expert, and he's thinking that she might be a serial killer, and mm-hmm. they're sleeping and they're cuddling, and she's like, you know, I could totally like, what is it, like kill you right now, you wouldn't know. <laughs> And he's like, what? And she's like, yeah, like I, you're so vulnerable right now. Like I could just kill you. And like, and that's the kind of thing that like as an adult, like you relate to because you're like, yeah, who did I marry? Like I'm super vulnerable here and 
and I think that's this like kind of humor that like you have to understand like when you're married or like when you're in like you know you you I mean not sleep with someone in the sense of like sex but like sleep in the same bed and you're like yeah. being intimate and sharing your life with someone and then you're like did I pick the right person? Is this really the person <laughs> that they say they are? And that's what mm-hmm. it's kind of making fun of, right? Like you fall in love with someone, but like, do you really know who they are? And like, exactly. obviously as like a, whatever you were, 13, 12 year old, what did you know about that? Like, but that's what makes it so funny, I think. And so great. Yeah. I, I, that movie, like when he's doing his beat poetry, mm-hmm. it's just so awesome. Well, man. <laughs> it, it, it's so funny. I love like I love that it's said in like San Francisco because I love that city. Um I it I think it it harkens to a time of San Francisco that is long gone. Like I don't think the city is really mm-hmm. like that anymore. Um so it's it's sort of like a cool movie to go back and like reminisce about how San Francisco used to be, not to be that kind of old person, but I am that kind of old person now. <laughs> um, and um, so, yeah, like I, I agree. Like he's definitely an icon of our of our generation of Gen X. Like he's like one of our comic greats easily. Yeah. I mean, also what he was in is the voice of Shrek. Yeah. My goodness, right there. Austin Powers. How many movies has he made? Austin Powers. He was in so many other things. And yeah, he really is one of our generational icon. Yeah. Um, to kind of piggyback on that, if we're going to stick on the theme of Canadians, uh, okay. even though your, your actress uh, interview wasn't Canadian, she's probably going to laugh about that. Like, um, guys, I'm really not Canadian. I'm not Canadian. Yeah. Um, but since we're talking about Mike Myers, who definitely is Canadian, um, someone that I'll bring up that is an icon of our generation of like Gen X um, generation is Alanis Morissette. Um, I oh, okay, am yeah. going to be seeing her, um, coming up, I think in September, um, I'll be seeing her in concert with garbage and I'm really excited because, oh, nice. um, her first album is definitely like speaks to my youth. Like I listened to that album, like beginning to end so many times, like it's such a good That's album. A jagged little pill, right? Jagged little pill. Yeah. Um, and then, um, her second album where, it sort of deviated from like her regular songwriting style to more of like stream of consciousness writing, which if okay. you listen to a lot of young women writers right now, I think they're definitely influenced by Alanis. Like if you hear, yeah, um, what's the girl that's like really popular right now? I, I can't think of her name. Uh, Billie Eilish? No, no, no. Yes, her too. I think it has been influenced by Alanis. Mm-hmm. But there's another one that's like a Disney, former Disney star, high school musical um olivia rodrigo so if you okay i know that name yeah yeah uh that's on deja vu is like everywhere but when i first heard it i'm like this is definitely a lattice for set vibes like it has that like uh you know brokenhearted uh open diary like sharing your feelings but also like a little rough like not so um you know, uh, the, the girl isn't like the victim, like it's, it's more, um, showing strength, um, within mm-hmm. while vo- showing vulnerability. And I think Billie Eilish is a lot like that. And I think it just, it harkens back or it reminds me of Alanis so much because, um, she was such a badass in that way. Like she's literally like pouring her heart out, but doing it in such a rock and roll way that it's not like a woe is me kind of a, vibe it's more of like uh you know fuck you i hate you you bastard like <laughs> right. you broke my heart but like i'm still a rock star kind of a vibe and that's what i really loved about her uh 
And so I, I still go back and listen to her music. Like I can't wait to see her perform like at her age now and to see how more she's matured in her artistry mm-hmm. and hear some of her new new music. Um, but but yeah, like score another one for uh, the Canucks, I guess, when it comes the to Canucks. the the icons. <laughs> so Mike Myers and a lot of score set, two of the good ones. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember listening to Jagged Little Pill a lot as well. I mean, yeah. like who doesn't know all the words to ironic, right. really? Right. It's just like that comes on in no matter where you're at, you'll sing along. So it's just like so cool. And I didn't know this, but Olivia Rodrigo, she was born in, I think she's from Marietta. So just up the road from you. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did. I mean, she's so like not on my radar because I'm so old that it's <laughs> – <laughs> it's like why even get into it like it, my my niece speaking of uh savannah she sent me a link and was like oh you should check her out she's really good and she's like a really big fan of hers um mm-hmm. and when i listen to it i'm like okay she's like really talented but it's like so obviously not meant for me like <laughs> it's not i'm not her demographic like it's definitely for the like 17 to like maybe i don't even know like i think it's very like high school first year in college age like i think okay some girls that are like already in their 20s might be a little too old for it just because like they're they're more mature and maybe they they have um a little bit more cynic in them um i don't know but uh, it definitely she's raking in the cash she's definitely popular with with uh with people right now so yeah. good for her <laughs> Why not? Stealing our style, stealing our, our Gen X vibes <laughs> and re, re, uh, actually reselling it to the young kids. <laughs> hey, if that works too, but why what, not? But my cousin posted on Facebook, it was really funny. Um, she took her daughter to go buy shoes and her daughter picked out like these big like Doc Martin combat boots. And she's like, oh, okay. she is my daughter. And, and I just laugh because it's like, it's so funny that kids are – like walking in our footsteps with trends that we mm-hmm. did. And I mean, we didn't invent them. Like Doc Martens were like circa punk of like, you know, the sixties and, you know, out of England. So like, I, we can't take credit for that, but like, it's just funny that like, it's stuff that we thought were cool. Um, and right. Right. Yeah. It's all circular. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think about to like w- during high school and like the whole, or at least the, some of the crowd that I ran with or into like the whole rockabilly, you know, from like the sixties and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, and how that just, it all comes in waves and goes in circles. So it's really cool to see that and the trends and like, wow, I can break out all my flannels again. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I remember, um, one trip we went on, it was for, um, the photography team of my high school. We came to San Diego on a field trip for a convention and um, we obviously had share rooms or whatever. And uh, we had like a row of shoes of all of the guys' shoes. And they were all like Doc Martens. And we all like wore the same size. So when I woke up, I was like, God damn it. These better be mine because I don't want to be wearing someone else's shoes. And like I was still like not convinced because I was like, these feel like they're not molded to my they're feet. They're not mine. But like I guess it's close enough. They're the same. Like it was weird. But it just like kind of goes to show that like that year like – it was very grunge, like alternative, like, especially with people that are like photographers, like we were like kind of, yeah, you know, that style, like it, that we, you know, it wasn't the jocks. Like, I don't think jocks hey, were wearing And the grunge, ones. we didn't bathe either. I know, right? <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, that was definitely a circle. 
Yeah, uh, there you go. Maybe Ashton Kutcher. Well, is he? I don't. He's probably younger than us, right? He's probably maybe he's, he's in his forties. Is he? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mila Kunis is definitely not. She has to be much younger. She's probably late thirties, huh? So. I, I it's so weird. Like I, there, there's. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but there's times when like, like I'll think of an actor and I'm like, they were so much older in my mind when they were i felt like i watched them first time around like someone like drew barrymore mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. like you see their age and you're like wait she's three years older than me why did it seem like she was so much more older than me when i was watching her movies and then vice versa like i'll see someone who i'm like oh she's way younger than me and then i'm like oh she's three years younger than me how why did i think she was so much younger it's like it's so weird and I guess maybe because people don't always play their age when it comes to roles. Right, right. So True. someone could be playing someone much older and or younger when they really are, you know. So but it's just weird. Like I always do that. I always think like, could I have – I mean, not that I want to play the role, but I always think, could I have played that role? And I'm like, no, like I was way too young or I'm too old. <laughs> but then you find out the real age of the person. You're like, wait, I could have been in that movie. I could have played mm-hmm. that character. You could have done it. <laughs> <laughs> I always get a kick out of something similar when I hear um, when I'm watching like a some athletes and they talk about his age mm-hmm. and it's like in baseball, I'm like, oh, he turned 37. He's an old man of the of the group. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Yep. <laughs> He's younger than me. How is he an old man? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh man, it's definitely. But then again, thinking. Yeah. From when I was earlier and hearing, oh, wow, that person's 36, 37. I was like, wow, he's old. Yeah. So it's like it's that weird shift. It, it's weird that like at our generation, like there are certain careers that like even how, however you want to say like age is just a number. You can always like, you know, uh, change careers or change your path at whatever age. But there are certain things that is definitely off limits to people our age. Like we're too old to be a firefighter now, too old to be a cop, like too old to be like certain professions. And I think it's kind of interesting for me anyway, that it's like, oh, like not that I ever wanted to do those jobs, (laughs) but like I'm too old to do that, which is a weird feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, like I mean, it's like. I guess my rebellious nature that it's like, Oh, well you're too old. Well now I want to do it. Now I want to see if I could be a cop, <laughs> which like I never would want exactly. to have to be a cop. But like now that you're telling me that I'm too old, I'm like, I could still do that. No, I couldn't. But. You can't enlist if you're over that age. Wait. Yeah. I want to enlist now. Come right? on. Yeah. You like I want to be a Marine. <laughs> like no, you don't, but it's like just that it's the forbidden, like, you know, fruit i guess of like what you can't have and then all of a sudden you want it it's right. like a mentality so of like true. a two-year-old <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that is very true <laughs> so um what other um things kind of caught your eye or were on your radar this week well um the last thing that really caught my eye um i've been following watching every episode of ted lasso as mm-hmm. you as you probably could have guessed. Yeah. <laughs> Huge fan of the show. And season two has been really um, bringing it in more of its um, not just the, you know, happy go lucky Ted Lasso. There's been, it's been a little bit deeper. Oh, really? And in this most, I think so. And in this most recent episode, um, episode three, uh, it was called the Do the Rightest Thing. So we have um, the character of Sam, who's a Nigerian um, defender, and he gets. He gets um, picked to be like the face of Dubai Air, which is this made-up um, sponsor of 
of um, Ted Lasso of the team on the show, the AFC Richmond. And so he's all happy about that. He's elated because he's going to be in this ad campaign for their team and whatnot. But then he texts his father that his elation and his father sends back a message saying, I don't know how you can be so happy because the, um, the parent company of Dubai Air this fictional company mm-hmm. is some gas oil conglomerate that's been doing horrible environmental disasters to the Nigerian coast. So it really brings down his, um, his elation and makes him think about how does he really want to be the face of this company that's destroying his homeland? Wow. So it's, it's, I, I, if you haven't seen it, I won't give away too much, but he does do a protest for there and how, it really shows how sports figures can be pivotal mouthpieces for protest. Mm-hmm. And the way he does it and the way the rest of the team join in with that protest is really moving. Mm-hmm. And then I find out later on that it's based in a reality. So I guess there are some big oil companies that have been doing causing environmental disasters along the Nigerian coast. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they were able to, I like I learned this word, confluence them into the show and the writer Ashley um I think Nicole Brown or Black Ashley Nicole Black was able to write that in was just marvelous yeah it's really cool I so I'm not caught up but I'm glad to see that they're using their newfound popularity on the show to like kind of shine the light on like other issues other than mm-hmm. are we going to win this uh football game <laughs> uh, which which is what i like about it right like i was trying to explain to my mm-hmm. dad like why it's such a good show and i i could tell he was surprised because it's like why does gabe like a sports show and it and it's and i'm like <laughs> it's not a sports show it's it's you know it's everything outside of the game that's interesting to me and that's what makes it such a good show so i think that it's great that they're kind of adding to that by showing this added dimension. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's really cool. Yeah. I, I, I think they spend less time in the actual sport side of it, uh-huh. which is really cool. And more on the um, relationships, the, the, you know, not the feel good, but just everything else around it. The, the protests, the, the relationships between the other characters and and i think it's fantastic yeah yeah it, great show uh it obviously has um pop cult x stamp of stamp of approval so if you haven't been watching it <laughs> we talk about it like every week so um in one way or the other create a graphic this is pop cult x stamp of approval or yeah. something like that <laughs> give it um six thumbs up <laughs> six thumbs up Okay. <laughs> Simpsons did it. It's a, it's a Simpsons yeah. thing. Um, so yeah, so I, I think that, that, uh, that great show. Yeah, I agree. I, I need to catch up. There's so many good shows right now that I, uh, another show that I have heard a lot about, but I haven't been able to watch is white Lotus on HBO. Have you I've heard of that? Right. Have not seen it yet. Heard about it. It's on my radar to go check it out. Yeah. So, so white Lotus is, so I guess if we're doing recommendations for people, Ted Lasso, Definitely already is is what we have to watch. I myself am going to have to watch uh, White Lotus. Um, anything else that like you want to catch up on or you're you're watching soon? Well, I caught the first two episodes of Reservation Dogs, the new show on FX on Hulu, and it was it was interesting. It was I knew what to expect because it's a created by Taki Watiti, so I knew that kind of style that he brought to it. But it was. 
it was really cool. I enjoyed it. And it was told from a different point of view that we don't get to hear enough from, Mm -hmm. which is from the indigenous native American point of view. Yeah. But, um, I recommend it, go watch it. And, and I really, the highlight for me so far was two parts. One where they're all coming from the four stars, we'll call them leads of the show come from a a memorial service that they had for their friend who passed away and they all had on the black suits and the white um, shirts with the black ties, Mm -hmm. you know, a throwback to reservoir dogs, how they all wore that same outfit. And that was a really standout moment for me. I was like, Oh wow. I I know that reference. So I thought that was really cool. And then there's two actors in there who are like, Native American rappers, maybe, but they can drop some beat, and they, they're pretty cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Well, you know me, I always love a sick beat and a dope rhyme, so I'll have to check it out. <laughs> sick beat and a good rhyme, yes. A dope rhyme, excuse me, a, a dope rhyme. dope rhyme, excuse yeah. me. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Um, so, so I will definitely have to check that out. On um, the other show that I want to watch that's on Apple Plus, not to like be all Apple Plus about everything, but uh, Mr. Corman with Joseph Joseph Gordon Levitt. Um, I want to mm-hmm. watch because I think he's he's really a good director actor. Um, like he is all around, just like a well rounded artist. Like he's, I just always yeah. like the stuff that he's in. So um, I want to check it out. I don't really know a lot about what it's about. Uh, I think it, it's a. Te- I think he's a teacher. He plays a teacher. Yeah, yeah. He plays a teacher, and he. I guess he got out. I saw the first episode. Okay. And it was it was interesting. It was it was a little different. I mean, it was kind of cool, but I have to go rewatch it cuz I think I fell asleep during it. <laughs> you know, cuz you know, I'm old. So. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> but it might have been 40s. 3 in the morning too, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I enjoy like you, I enjoy his work and and yeah, I think it's a show that's going to be a, a step back from what we're used to. Hmm. So okay. it's it's going to be more maybe even a little more realistic to like some of the nuances and circumstances that we're going through in life. Cause I think his characters are roughly around the same age that we are. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's interesting. So is it midlife crisis territory? <laughs> Ish. <laughs> I, I, no, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, okay. At least from what I remember. Okay. But it was it's pretty cool. Cause I, I was, I was reading about, you know, as you're talking, I'm reading it and it's saying that like he loves his kids, he loves being a teacher, but like he's having trouble with his happiness. And I think that that does speak to our generation that like you hit our age mm-hmm. and you're like, mm-hmm. let me reevaluate my path. Like, where have I come? Where am I going? What is happiness? Right. Is happiness for me? Uh, and so I do enjoy like I my personality is I like to really delve into shit like that, where it's like a downward project, <laughs> you know, trajectory of like. Uh, I don't know, reevaluating stuff and maybe being a little like overdramatic, but then like coming out through it and being like, oh, okay, like it's not bad, like and hopeful at the end. Uh, so I'm going to have to check that out. I do like him. Um, the last thing I do want to bring up is on this other show that is is really kind of like surprising that I guess like, well, not really because I love reality shows, but uh, it's called Glow Up. It's a reality show on Netflix and it's about makeup artists and really not super interested in like the at the details of the makeup but i just love a reality show where like the people are interesting and it's they're all english <laughs> and i love english people um anglophile like all the way uh, so they have like an interesting cast of characters the judges 
um, one of the judges, her like key phrase um, or her catchphrase is ding dong. When any, anyone does like a really good job, she's like ding dong. And it's, it's like, it reminds me of Austin Powers, which is like getting back to, to Mike Myers. Like it's, it's such a, like, um, she, you can see that she is of that generation of like the swing sixties, like mod style. Mm-hmm. Like she probably grew up in the fact that like, she still has that, like as her catchphrase, like ding dong, baby. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's fun. Like, I love it. Like, it's like I said, <laughs> I don't really awesome. care about like the makeup. I don't really understand it, it whatever, but like, it's just fun to watch because it's like, I mean, it's sort of arti- like up my alley because it's like artistry and it's like, they're draw. it's, it's more like painting when it comes to their makeup. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like almost like, um, face off or, uh, special effects because like they're not necessarily just doing like oh make this girl pretty they're doing like these crazy artistic stuff that that you know as photographers like we would want to work with someone like that because we would like to have a a creative image so i mean there is aspects of it that i am really interested in as far as like the fashion sense and like being involved in that with when it comes to being a photographer but uh i just love the catchphrase that the judge has like ding dong yeah like every, every reality show has to have like a catchphrase like you know, Heidi Klum is Avita Zane or Tim Gunn on Project Runway was make mm-hmm. it work. Make um, it work. Yeah. You know, uh, um, Tyra Banks is smize, uh, you know, on America's Next Top Model. Like, they, it, it, you know, I, I, lo- I eat it up. Like, I'm all about it. All those cheesy reality <laughs> shows. So there's another one on Netflix that I'm gobbling up. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Um, everyone, thank you so much for hanging in there with us this is episode 20 so we're big double x for you this this go around um yeah thank you so much for subscribing for watching for listening we want to hear more from you we do want to hear your feedback your comments so so drop a comment in the video youtube feed whatever send us a message on instagram send us a message on twitter we'll be happy to hear from you and maybe work it into this show somehow yeah, and and before we go, I I have oh, homework for yeah. people who are listening. So if if you could, as a personal favor to me, your co-host of Pop Cult X, if I could have anyone who's listening to the show send us a message of where you're listening from, I would love to hear where, what country, what city, what state you're from. Just give us a little shout out. You know, hi, my name is so and so, and I'm listening from wherever you're listening from. I would love to hear where you guys are from, just to give us an idea of where our Uh, podcast is reaching um i think it'd be really interesting to hear from you so homework for our listeners this week as well all right you heard that from teacher gabe (laughs) professor gabe sorry (laughs) so take care everyone stay safe